my name is shit i even sound like a... <laughs> you sound you like fuckers. a 12 year old hi my name is ella dulcet lasader aka alpha dick is it lasader not no Lassiter? it's, it's lasader okay. but the joke is like whenever signa calls me they're always like oh. this call is for ella gotcha. nilson lasader they never get it right okay try it my name is ella nilson lasader aka alpha dick Welcome to 40 Out, the original competitive skee-ball podcast. Join us as we explore what it takes to become a legend of the lane. Hey everyone, this is Joseph Bullard. I'm also known as Space Wolf. My co-host Willie is in San Antonio at PAX South this weekend. So I'm going to roll solo for this introduction. For the next two episodes, we're revisiting a conversation we had with Ella Nilsson Lasseter back in May of 2019. If you've been listening from the beginning, you'll remember Ella from episode three, part two of Ways to Improve Your High Score. We really had a blast talking with Ella and a bunch of people told us how much they enjoyed hearing from her. So it made a lot of sense for us to feature more of our talk with her. Here's that conversation now. Ours has a massive leak in it and... For whatever because reason, they're never gonna fix it. And yeah, in our at our Travis County office, hmm. that is, you know, is it Travis County? County? Is it like a like this, like a closet? No, it's a it's a room about this size, actually. Oh, okay. Well, I mean, you did point it at an actual closet, though. <laughs> I know that's the part I'm confused by. Is it a literal or a figurative? Because apparently now too, you can use them interchangeably. Mm-hmm. Server closet. Oh, Server yeah, closet. No, it's. It's a room. It is a room. It is this big, and it, uh, yeah, it like leaks water. Anytime That's not it rains, fucking good. Anytime it rains, there's a, a puddle in the corner, and sometimes in the summer when it gets really hot, and the AC has to work too hard, the drain pipe just drains into that room. Um, for oh, whatever. perfect, fucking yeah. perfect. <laughs> yeah, it's great. Poor design. Yeah. Dot gov. I'm also pretty sure that's why. Like, I'm always sick. Oh shit! Like, I'm old. Uh, yeah, in our building all the time. Mm. It's great S- server sickness. Yeah. My mom teaches in Jersey City, and there's like a legit sick building syndrome thing that they have going there because of how old these buildings are. They're like, "Don't go in this room; it has asbestos." Like that's their solution. <laughs> yeah, just don't <laughs> put go a in sign there. on the door. You know, knowing's half the battle. They yeah. say. Yeah. Jeez. Sad we never made that shirt. Yeah, rolling is half the battle for the ski ah, Joe's. Yeah, that's that what I wanted to do. It could have been real good. Who put the kibosh on that, Laban? No, we just didn't do it because Joey's the only one with like a design background and any. Yeah, it's probably my fault. Talent just of doing that, coming up with ideas and never executing them. Mm. Actually, never even starting them. That's the hardest fucking part. Yeah, for sure. Which yeah, do you struggle with that? I mean, you crank out a ton of fucking work. Yeah, like all the stuff you've been posting, like that whole series. I haven't seen the wire, but. Like that entire series, like how far back does this work start? Um, chronologically, like I've been doing like one a day pretty much but, with, with yeah, those. Okay. But I, I find that working in a series is the best way because it gives me um, parameters, right? Like if someone says, draw me something and you're like, I don't know what to draw. Draw me something that's red and, you know, nature based and what and you're like, okay, I'll draw an apple. I think it just is helpful, like kind of the more parameters that you have um, and the more kind of restrictions you put on yourself, even if they're goofy restrictions. Um, Like I had one series I did and there was only one part of it that I ever used like 
black and white paint for. Everything else was grayscale. And I don't even think anybody ever noticed but me, but it was just a rule I put on myself so that it it forced me to not mull over decisions for long periods of time and I can just kind of dial in on what it was I was trying to do and not distract myself with making a decision. Yeah, I'm super familiar with that. And like, it exists. <laughs> like, Does this, like, you're both looking at me and I'm like, is this making no, sense it, or it am I just saying sense. words? <laughs> no, it totally exists to designers everywhere because it's really hard. Um, and the difference for us is that we're typically designing for a client. But every now and then, if they don't know what they want and it's completely wide open, it's really difficult to know where to start and to choose a direction because it's too wide. It needs some type of restriction in place. And uh, personal branding is one of the hardest things a designer will do. Oh, yeah. Just because it's like, where the fuck do I even start? Like, it's way too wide. So I totally get that, that you're like placing some type of restriction on yourself so that you can push within those boundaries. Right. Have a um, a system in place or a framework in place so that you don't, I mean, again, I'm a tangent person, right? Like, how do you kind of keep yourself focused and, and within boundaries instead of just worrying too much about what's on the fringe? That really also has no relevant um, bearing on the outcome. It's not going to make it any better. It's just something that you're distracting yourself with because shiny objects, you know? Yeah, I mean, it's about getting started. And it, it's, not, it's not weird to hear you say that. And I, I think a lot of people do that for a lot of other things. I mean, it applies to... It, apply, it, 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 apply, it applies to music. It applies yeah. to us being teachers. Like that's, I've used that multiple times before. Like, uh, there's actually a really good um, star talk, I think, with Neil deGrasse Tyson and I think Tom York. And they're talking about music and talking about putting restrictions on the instruments you can use in a song mm-hmm. because it just like, it makes you write in a different space or makes you like, come up with new creative things and, and, and be restrictive and uh for a better result yeah, yeah yeah well even just to get started because right. when you have every option on the table because you can play 20 instruments you're like well which one should i pick right if it's not like you might have a lyric but you don't know what goes behind it and Neil deGrasse tyson was talking about the same thing for engineers like if you tell them i need you to build a building it's going to be for whatever and we need to with no restrictions, there's just going to be a bunch of people standing around like, well, it could have all kinds of things. Like, right. Well, what should we do? But as soon as you start putting like dollar amounts on what they're supposed to do or some design element that has to be included, like they can start on the project and they start getting to work. And that's the same thing that we do with kids like in in the classrooms that we teach in. If we're going to do a design challenge for like build the tallest tower. You obviously have to have materials for that. You can't just lay out every single ob- object like, right. known to man on the table and say, you could just build the tallest tower out of these things. Like, you only get three popsicle sticks and you only get one, like, one foot of tape. Like, that immediately makes people start thinking creatively about how I can use the materials right. in front of me. Yeah, and that's just problem solving, man. Like, when you force a problem onto someone, you then force them to find a creative solution to solve that problem. You know, if they're a creative-minded person. Um, yeah, so we're all pretty familiar with this. You yeah. Know? And I'm really interested in what your relationship is with the kids that you've been posting about on Instagram. Oh, yeah. 
it's this uh, program, and that was how I met Angel through that, and it, that was just another small Austin world. But the pro- name of the program is called Big Artist, Little Artist, and it's put on through the Chula League, which also does, I think, the Cherrywood Art Fair. Gotcha. And so you get paired with a fifth grader and kind of talk with them about what it is that they want to accomplish or something that they've never tried in art or something that they've been working on and struggling with. And then it's kind of how do you come up, conceptualize an idea? How do you execute that idea? And then how do you market it in terms of a gallery show? Um, And it was a eight question mark week long um, program. And yeah, so I had a, a fifth grader at Allison Elementary. I did the head point over to Montopolis and nice. yeah, wherever yeah. else yeah. it is. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, it, it's, it's super rewarding. The, and they kind of are vetted through the art teacher. So it's kids that either have an aptitude or an interest or both. Um, so it's, it's not like you're getting the kid that's just going to throw erasers at you the entire time. You're, mm-hmm. you're having someone that has a, a desire to do that. And I also got really lucky. I had a really happy kid. Nice. Um, so, yeah, so she wanted to learn realism. So we looked at, um, she had never painted on canvas before. I like to paint on wood. So we did one version on canvas, one version on wood, and then just got to mess around with like um, making linoleum block prints and other things that she wouldn't have necessarily had the ability to experiment with. So. And so it was one student, like you just had yeah. one. That's fucking awesome. Yeah, it was really, it was really cool. Um, and, you know, I'm a crier. I know this probably surprises both of you, but like in a, in those like tender moments, like every time I watch Field of Dreams, I cry in the end of it, you know? And I don't think I've seen that. <laughs> what? That's baseball. crazy. Baseball yeah. Stuff? Yeah, I haven't seen, seen that. that. I've nuts. seen Angels in the Outfield. No, it doesn't count. <laughs> it doesn't count. I have it on VHS. I could loan it to you. Nice. I did hear a group of women today at lunch talking about the fact that they had never seen a league of their own. Only one of them (laughs) seen it out of of 10. And I was like, how how have you not watched that movie? And you were like to the server room with you. You will go in there (laughs) and don't come out until you've watched this. Yeah, you either need to step up your Madonna game or you need to step up. Well, actually, step up your Madonna game. Your Rosie, o, Rosie there, O'Donnell there, there game. There is no Rosie O'Donnell game. <laughs> or <laughs> to break it to you. you definitely have to step up your Tom Hanks game for sure. Right. That movie's great. Yeah. Both I, League of Their Own and Field of Dreams. <laughs> you should watch You should watch a Field of Dreams. Wait, is, is Field of Dreams the one with Danny Glover in it? Or is that Angels in the Outfield? <laughs> <laughs> Wait, are you confusing the one you've seen with yes. the one you haven't seen? Yes. Um, it's, it's the one with Kevin Costner. And Ray Liotta and oh. uh, James Earl Jones. James Earl Jones does some awesome voiceover okay, work. So that is like, yeah. yeah. And not to get too far into the skee-ball conversation ahead of time, because <laughs> I know I tease you guys about sabermetrics all the time, mm-hmm. but that's the thing. I, like, I love baseball. I'm oh, a Mets really? Fan. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, like, I did know that. Yeah. yeah. So um, I, I always find that bit so fascinating, right? Like, how does this person hit with runners in scoring position? How do they do with the bases loaded? How do they do in, in like, am I a clutch hundo roller? Right. And, and I would love to get that level of detail, especially now that the lanes will tell you okay, you just rolled a 40, 40, 50, 30, 40, whatever, the right. whole breakdown of what you rolled. That way, when I go up there, I know, okay, well, statistically, it's the same reason like the outfield will shift over because they're like, oh, he always pulls the ball. So let's mm-hmm. all scoot over this way. Because um, that's what they say. They're like, guys, scoot over. Right. He always yeah. hits it this way. Those are, these are my official baseball words, of course. Yeah, yeah. But I think that would be a fascinating 
thing to delve into if you really and I'm, I love the stats and the numbers mm-hmm. of aspect of it. Um, so I think that would be super interesting to see, like, do I always miss my last 40? Is it because I'm standing up too soon and walking away from the lane as opposed to like start ending my 40 the same way I start my 40? Just things to think about. Yeah, I have a question. Do you know who Attila is? Attila the Hundo? Yes. He is doing just that. Really? So he, he has been working on a project and, and right now it's the I think the top twenty five rollers. Yeah. And he is literally he's calling it career stats. Fascinating. But he has gone that far to know and to compile that data because it's much easier now with the lanes. Yeah. Um he can he's kind of putting together that information ball by ball. So he can say on this lane, typically your ball eight, you do this or right. you miss. And that's the fascinating bit of it. Again, not to go back to the ski I Joe's and knowing's half the battle, but for real, if you if you're aware of it, right. you can you can make those smart decisions to be like, no, you're gonna piss away this hundo on the lane if you try and roll for it. Like just go for the points and stick with the forty. And the first time I met Attila the Hundo. He had said to me, he's like, oh, I drafted you in my fantasy skee-ball league. Oh, he's shit. like, what's your name? And I'm like, Pink and Wet Box. And he's like, you're on my fantasy team. And I was like, wait, I didn't even know this was a thing. And so, yeah, they did like a whole, did you guys know about this? I this only, seems vaguely familiar, but I- Brooklyn, I, it was like yeah. many, at least, mm-hmm. it's hard to- It was at least probably like two years ago. I was going to Because say, I, I think yeah. it was right after we moved into Full Circle Bar right. Austin. It reminds me of the Wilmington Beeb time. Yeah. It was, yeah. Which was, well, it was even a year. It was a year before that. Even. So 2015? Yes. Wait, what year are we now? Isn't it 2019 and we just said it was two years ago? Okay. Yeah, 2016 so wouldn't even be two years ago. I was, I was thinking wrong about how long we've been in Full Circle Bar Austin is, is the problem. Oh, sure. Yeah. How long have we been in Full Circle I Bar? I guess it's been four years. Really? March mm-hmm. would have been four years. That I mean, yeah, because we got, Ryan and I got married four years ago and we got married at the Scoot. Oh, and shit. and Cooper kept being because Cooper married us. Fun fact: Cooper married my whole team. Right. So Rachel and Roy were married by Cooper. Amy and Wickman, and I was like Amy and Doozles. No, Amy and Wickman were married by Cooper, and Ryan and I were married by Cooper. And so Cooper kept being like, "Hey, hey, we're gonna open a place. We're gonna open a place." And then, oh wow, it was one of those things where I'm like, "Dude, it's a wedding. Like you got to plan this shit like way out in advance. Like I can't just kind of like." cross my fingers and a month out throw this shit together so um that's the brewski ball way (laughs) (laughs) it's only funny because it's true yeah yeah (laughs) a conversation to have at a later time yes to go back real quick to when you're talking about the teary eye moment like i totally get it you know because i i teach at acc so i have right now i have 24 students and you know of course they're anywhere from the age of probably 17, 18 to, I had a 50 year old in my class and to see the progress, like, I mean, right. it's 16 week semester at ACC. So to see where they start, you know, especially with typography, which is one of the courses I teach to see them excel and like start to implement these somewhat complex typographic concepts. Right. Like that's the part, that's the rewarding part. Oh, for absolutely. Sure. So, and then I could imagine how intimate it was to have a single, you know, pupil or right. student for eight weeks. Right. Yeah, and that's that's fucking powerful. Yeah, and I mean, it was it was a super cool program. Um, and and again, I think what was awesome about it was 
I, I don't know if it was by design or happenstance, but all the artists were different too. So you could look around the room and some people were learning uh, how to draw something in Illustrator to be able to put on a CNC machine. Oh, you probably can't even do Illustrator on a CNC machine, but I don't know, or AutoCAD or whatever it was. But mm-hmm. someone's like cutting a dragon out of wood. Someone's doing like um, art with thread. And, and how do you make that into a composition? Um, so I, I think just for at least, even if it wasn't the project you were working on, the fact that you could see the progress in other people's projects, I think was inspiring as well to at least see like the multitude of options in art to be able to work on yourself or decide to pursue or try or get inspired. So yeah, I, I highly recommend it. Um, it's every, I want to say like January through April. And then we had a show at Mondo Gallery um, and all the art um, that the kids did was available for auction. Nice. And they're doing a May the, May the 4th be with y'all. Oh, yes, like yeah, version? I know, I know, right? Like, you didn't see that coming. You're like, yeah, hey, well, may the fourth be with you. But we're like, oh, y'all. Um, and so she wanted, I'm like, who's your favorite character? She's like, I love Chewbacca and R2-D2. And I was like, well, R2-D2 sucks. I mean, no offense, but kids, you want to paint a droid, you want to paint a big furry thing, like, mm-hmm. duh. And so she did a Chewbacca with, like, a bandana around his neck, like, you know. Oh, like, super, like, Texan? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice. And so... On their Instagram story, like Fox News had covered it and shown, and I think everything benefits, I don't think, I know everything benefits Ronald McDonald House Charity. So that's really cool that, you know, I think it's, it's great to be involved. It's great to be a kid and see your work in an art gallery. I mean, I think that that sets you up for, it's not an easy career as we know, um, but I think it, it shows you kind of the possibilities that are out there. Yeah, that's exactly everything I did not grow up with. <laughs> I didn't grow up around any of that kind of stuff. So yeah. Like, it is powerful for me because it wasn't something I had the ability to do, like, geographically, yeah. but also my family financially. Yeah. Like, it just wasn't an option for us, so. And See, not that that cost anything, but right. it was where we were located in addition to, you know, being in a position that was financially unstable, yeah. you know, for, you know, nine months out of the year. Right. Right. I think I had like the opposite problem. So both my parents are artists. Um, My mom teaches art. Um, I think she retires after this year and she's probably going to move out here, which is Where does she teach? In New Jersey. Nice. Yeah. So um, Jersey City, she's been there for 20 some odd years, but she went to college, got her, majored in sculpture, minored in painting. Um, My dad's Persian. And so he has his doctorate in art history. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, I mean, it it was always kind of like my fate, Mm -hmm. I guess, if we're going to talk about it from like a Star Wars staring at the binary sunset kind of way. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I think that I was encouraged to work on artwork. Um, The unfortunate thing for my mom was she was working in commercial design. Like long before it was graphic design, you did everything with a blue pencil. You made your photocopies to reduce and enlarge. and, And that was how you came up with an output. She had gone to Iran with my dad late 70s as a caveat, um, and she was teaching in an international school there. And then by the time she had come back, and then there was some back and forth, of course, the revolution happened, everything had changed to graphic design. So she's like, well, crap. And she went back and got her teaching degree so that she could teach art. But it was kind of a, that was kind of right at that pivot point where everything started to become more computer focused. 
Right. As opposed, and of course she had me, and I was like a little kid to take care of. Is she, your mom is American? Yeah. Okay, yeah. Cool. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, I didn't, know, I didn't know your dad was Persian. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no idea. Also would never guess that you're, well, I guess I could have maybe came to the conclusion that your parents might be involved in art. <laughs> but that's cool. I mean, Meg, yeah. has, Meg also has a degree in art history. Awesome. Um, so that's fun. As does Barbara. Oh, right. Yeah, <laughs> they actually went to school together. Really? I didn't yeah. know that. Yeah, they went uh, to Southwestern. Oh. Southwestern. Isn't it the one that's renamed? No, no. that's uh, that used to be Southwest Texas, uh, which is now Texas State. What's Southwestern? It's up in Georgetown. Oh. Yeah, private school. Pinky's Expensive. Oh, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I'm glad we got to know a lot of that. And I'm glad I signed a waiver. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So we can use it however we please. I know, right? Yeah. This summer. <laughs> There's a couple of things that you've mentioned so far that I want to go back to. One is your roller name. You mentioned yeah. a roller name, uh, Pink and Wet Box. Uh-huh. And it's changed uh, a couple of times. But it has. I'd, I'd like to talk about those, where they uh-huh. came from. Well, so my, my first team um, was called Total Skis Bags, right? I mean, brilliant pun. Um, were you guys rolling then? No, no, actually, I was about to ask that. Yeah. Can you talk about when you started? Yes. I started as an alternate in skis in three. Oh, shit. And I was filling in for another gentleman who I will spare um, his name being mentioned in this recording. And I, I grew up in New Jersey, right? So, I mean, we had ski ball. It was a boardwalk arcade game. Um, it was, you know, as much America's pastime as baseball when it's summers down the shore. And just to asterisk on that, I'm sorry, I'm already tangenting, but none of those Jersey Shore fuckers are actually from New Jersey. They're from either Staten Island or upstate New York. So like on the show? Correct. Uh. Yes. I just want to make sure that I'm not, you know, putting myself in that bucket with Jersey Shore people. So I started out with the total skis bags. My friend played, my friend Shannon, the big muff, played in the league. Do you remember Shannon? No. Who's Shannon? You don't know Shannon? I don't know which one you're referring to because it could be. First of all, girl Shannon. Okay. And then she used to be, she used to own Method with Sarah. Oh, sure. Yeah. I'm blanking on her last name. Um, Hollis. Hollis, right. Yeah. Yeah. So it was Shannon's team. And so their third player, he had to go to the opera, right? So she's like, can you fill in? Got to do that. I know. Right? Meg is actually going tomorrow. Yeah. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's a thing here. The opera's a thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, I perhaps missed out on that culture bit of the uh, upbringing, but not to say I don't, you know, to each their own. So I filled in and I, I was rolling like 28s, 30s. I think I was still taking like a softball approach at the time and like taking a step as I rolled. Like I was super green, but she was like, oh man, you're so much better than blank uh, person. Third person. Enter a third person. Then. Right. And last week he rolled an eight. So, I mean. <laughs> an eight. <laughs> right. <laughs> And I mean, that would be, he got a gutter in with his tens, you know? Yeah. So, so then I became a part of their team. And uh, a long time ago, a buddy and I, we were like doing a monotonous job for work. We were stuck in a room together. And then the conversation became like, if you were a Bond girl, what would your Bond girl name be? And then it was like escalating jokes. And finally, I landed on my first name would be Pinkin and my last name would be Wetbox. Hence the agent <laughs> there. Wait, so Bond, like James Bond? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. 
Yeah, so that was how that was how pink and wet nice. wet box came up. Wheaton. Right. Nice. Um so, so that was how that one came up. And then I think I was that all the way until through Roll V Wade. So the first team was total skis bags. And then I played with Rachel um Minor Riot and Marski, who has since retired. Um and our team was Roll V Wade, which I thought was hilarious. That yeah, was that's like awesome. one of our upper echelon of all the of all the skeezy things we've done, I mean that was like, I mean the, it's supreme the cleverness, yeah, right, yeah. And so I was still that through there, and then when uh, Marcy retired and Amy joined our team, Doozles, um, we're like, what should we name ourselves? And of course, it was based on the um, Flight of the Concords, too many dicks on the dance floor. So that was how we got our name in there. Wait, 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 back up. Yeah. The dirty jerseys, though. Oh yeah, that's right. I forgot about that. I was like, this seems like I'm I'm skipping something. But no, yeah, we were the dirty jerseys for a while, and that was because Doozles is from New Jersey. Rachel lived in Newark for a couple of years, so I mean, she got jumped in for sure. As yeah, a, I never, I never put that together. Yeah, that that's why I just never knew there was like the Jersey connection for all three of you. Right. But right. that's when we started. You guys were the dirty jerseys when I think we started. Well, Willie started in skis in 17. I started in skis in 15. And then when we became Ski I Joe's, you guys beat us by a point. So, yes. so fucking. I, I'm, but that you know started the, the rivalry. The best part is, is that you've gotten over it, clearly. That's so. true. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we don't. We've moved, we've moved past it now. Yeah, we were never even hang up on it, hung up on it at all. <laughs> yeah. It was just whenever we played you guys, you're like, we just got to fucking beat them because. Right. Like, yeah. They ruined our first mug. And then we didn't win one for five fucking skeezins. And we still haven't won one as a team. Oh, right. Yeah, so that's, that's it could a be whole worse, nother, is what you're saying. Right, yeah, <laughs> layer to the onion there of, yeah. of like always true. a bridesmaid. And of course, Rachel's won a ton of mugs. I won a mug on Roll V. Wade. We had money pints. And in this iteration of our team, um, no mugs, no pints. Oh, that, oh my gosh, that pint. Oh, that, I, Like the most recent one. That, I know. Oh, fuck. I know. It was all kinds of... So when you and yeah, so when you use <laughs> the pink and wet box, yeah, that was you bringing that name back, right? I don't think at least I didn't realize that until like fucking years later that it was something you had before that oh, you were right. bringing back. Yeah, and I think I saw it like in the restroom, right? That full circle bar, and I was like, wait, and it was like skis and I don't know very early before I started rolling. And it was pink and wet box, and it was right. a photo of you. And I was like, oh, okay. So this is a name she had before that she's bringing back. Well, like, cool. so so I had I had that up until I retired it when we when we changed our name to the Dicks for short, obviously because too many Dicks on the dance floor is a lot to say. Oftentimes in the schedule, Cooper would change which like too fast, too furious, mm-hmm. which two got like a number, t- the numeral two, nice, and which two was spelled. So then I became Alpha Dick, and there's a story there. But then. Um, but I was pink and wet box the entire time gotcha. up to that up to that point. It just kind of felt like a good time to retire. Mm-hmm. Brew yeah. horizons over there, you know. Yeah. Like you just at some point you kind of feel like you um I don't know. It's it's nice to be able to change your name if you want. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Without legal paperwork and yeah, I am. guest releases, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> waivers. <laughs> so, so what's the story behind Alpha Dick? So, I I think I was in a meeting. So we knew we wanted totally to... appropriate, right? Safe I, I know, right? Like I'm already here, right? No, this was years and years ago. I was still living in Arizona, so this is 
I don't think I can be held accountable for things that happened 15 <laughs> years ago. Um, but so we were in a meeting and I, I had said something. I don't even remember what it was. And the person leading the meeting was like, oh, well, we've heard from the alpha male of the group about me. And I was probably equal parts mortified and equal parts like, <laughs> like it was. And I mean, I appreciated the humor of it. You know, mm -hmm. and so I think when it came time to name ourselves uh, Dick Things, um, that was why I went with Alpha Dick. Nice. And what was even more entertaining is when I meet rollers from other cities that I haven't met before, they're like, oh, my God, you're a woman. This is hilarious. <laughs> yeah. And they're like, I thought you were the biggest asshole ever. Some guy named himself Alpha Dick, you know, but then realizing it's me. I think kind of softened it. Nice. Yeah, I yes. feel like I saw that in action at the at, at the <laughs> oh, really? like two years ago. Like I, I like, think who I, is this guy? Yeah, I, so it was full of himself. It was the rollers tournament. I heard someone <laughs> trying to figure out who they were playing, and when I told them who they were or who you were, they were just they were stunned. Like they just didn't know. Right. Yeah. Like you saw the wheels turning in their yeah. head as they were figuring it out. Like it's only here that just like yeah, man, I'm playing some dude named Alpha Dick. He's got to like, be some bro. Bet he gets a spray tan. Yeah. <laughs> Manicures his eyebrows. Jeez. <laughs> but also just on the, the name, the naming convention that we're speaking of, I was for the 30th skeezin Butterface Cankles. Right. And I think that was just... Well, that was Gutter Queens, right? Yeah. Yeah. And so that was our, you know, we decided to embrace our womanness. Because usually we always dress up as dudes for our team photos, and that's kind of our shtick. Mm -hmm. um, so we're like, okay, we'll be women. We'll be like nice, polite gutter queens. Who came up with gutter queens? Um, I think there's a bit of controversy <laughs> to the name of gutter queens. Not so much that someone else named it, and we borrowed it, and there might be some... I can say no more. Because of animosity there? I mean, l light. I don't even think it's animosity. It was just kind of like, who let the air out of my balloon? Did you, did you actually steal the name from someone else? And It wasn't a name for a team. It was a name for something else. Okay. And we were like, but it's in honor of. And they were like. Oh, said, well. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> was it, did you just have that? You guys rolled with that name one skeezin? Yeah, just okay. and it was just for the 30th anniversary, or 30th skeezin, I mm -hmm. guess it was. not 10th anniversary. Right, yeah. And you said you started all the way back in season three? Yes. How did you find the league at that point? It was, I, I was just an, an alternate, and that was oh, right, it. Right. Yeah, and I think what was, I, I was like, this exists, this is amazing, because all I kept thinking of was dodgeball. And I'm like, is this going to be on ESPN 8, the Ocho? This is oh, yeah. You know, I'm like, this yeah. is like a real thing and you can go and you can yell stuff and people don't care. Like, these are my people. And you get to oh. drink and you get to play this. Like, this is amazing. That's why she yells stuff, because she thinks people don't care. <laughs> <laughs> Often when I bring new people into the bar, I'm like, watch this. You can yell whatever and nobody turns around. And maybe you're just all numb to me now. <laughs> but oh, it's man. not, it's not, I'm just like, Motherfucker. And you just yell and like nobody even bats an eyelash. Although. That's true. Now. But it was funny because we were talking about our team, the Dicks, and, you know, we had shifted nights or something and somebody, whatever night we were rolling on certainly wasn't used to us. Nice. And, yeah. and it was a lot of, 
what Dussel's calls a, a PR issue as a team because everyone didn't know what to make of us because they didn't know that that's just we make fun of ourselves mm-hmm. as much as we make fun of everybody else. Yeah, I can see how it could be shocking if you <laughs> yeah. went to a different night. You know, and they're like, they got a quiet night, and then all of a sudden, these people are in here chanting dicks, and you're <laughs> like, <laughs> who are these? Some people seem to know them. Other people look horrified. They're like covering their teammates' ears, you know? it's. Yeah, I'm starting to assume I know the answer to this question, <laughs> but I, I want to know. Obviously, you had the night, you were called the alpha male. Back, yes, back, yes. Whenever that was, 15 years ago plus, mm-hmm. or whatever. Um. And I've talked to you enough outside of still probably at the bar, but not about ski ball. And so I've captured some of your personality. If you bring someone to the bar with you and you're just yelling out shit, is that something that they would expect from you? Even like, is it? Is it her personality outside of Full Circle Bar? That's a great question. Um, I feel like it's it's my competitive personality. Like, I, if I was watching a Met game, I'd be yelling stuff at the the television. Or, I mean, I think I have a lot of opinions anyway. Um, Ryan was keeping a shit my wife says log mm-hmm. in his phone for a while because I just would get mad about dumb things. Like, I remember there was like a Vin Diesel commercial. And I was like, oh, Vin Diesel, nobody likes you. You look like a thumb. You know, and he's like, that's amazing. He's like, I'm going to put it in my phone. You know, like I get mad about fonts. I get mad about like design things. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think it's situationally appropriate and in line with my regular self that just volume goes up and down when appropriate, I think. Sure. I mean, I hope, right? Yeah, like yeah. nobody's in yeah, here and yeah. people listening and they're like, that bitch. Yeah. And I'm like, I don't well. Think- Sorry. Yeah, maybe those people on Sunday <laughs> night didn't get it at first, but I, I don't <laughs> yeah. think that's a think, general feeling. I think it's it's I think where we get misunderstood is that people either think it's directed at them when it's not, when we're just yelling either at each other or um or it's it's just not knowing us and being taken off guard. It's it's never I think it's always important to consider the place it's coming from. And we're always coming from a fun light i mean again two of us are from jersey and picking on each other is kind of how you show affection in new jersey like i remember my first job um they would make fun of my forehead all the time and they were like you could broadcast a double feature driving movie on that forehead of yours what's up with your forehead (laughs) you know and i i had i i was really sick at the time and i was probably like 20 pounds lighter and they'd be like ella walks by a picket fence now you see and now you don't now you see and now you don't like that was that was just the, how you showed affection. And I think that, yeah, I mean, I've been out of New Jersey now for um, 17 years. So I think I've, I've softened up a bit. If I see a man with a gun in his waistband at the grocery store, I know he's not going to shoot up the place. Like, that's just okay here. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I think it's, it's still the, the good-natured ribbing that comes from that. When you said, I've been out of Jersey... For 15 years now it totally made jersey sound like prison <laughs> <laughs> there's only two days you serve in yeah, jersey like, I got your out. first day in and your last day those are the two you remember most those are the two you serve no that was a wire line that i kind of oh nice botched on delivery but still tried to make it applicable and we talked you haven't seen the wire either right i've only seen a few episodes oh, okay. to be honest it's so good i know Why, that it roy, is roy bring that up roy brought it up okay yeah. I know that it's really good. I know that mm-hmm. it's like probably one of the best shows that's ever been on TV. It's really good. And I, for whatever reason, haven't made the time to watch it. 
It's My, HBO, right? Yeah. yeah. It's, a, it's on Prime streaming right now. Right. Not okay. a plug for any device and or... Streaming service? Right. Not the Nile, but that other river that flows through the Southern Hemisphere. Yeah. Wink. Nice. Yes. Yeah. Not plugging anything for them. Right. Losing my packages and whatnot. But my friend Angie had told me about The Wire, tried to get me to watch it for years. And I don't know. I feel like it was like Game of Thrones, right? Like, if someone's telling you it's that great, yeah. you know at some point, like, it's never going to live up to the hype. Yeah, especially if you kind of hype it up in your own mind. Right. When you're like, oh, this is going to be... I, I mean, the first thing that ever happened to me with was like my tap dance partner who told me Home Alone was the funniest movie she ever saw. And then I went to the theaters, I saw Home Alone, and I was like waiting for the funny bits because she had like oversold me on this. Right. So from a six-year-old forward, my life has just been disappointments. <laughs> I like, I about think, movies. <laughs> I think Home Alone 2 is funnier than Home Alone. I don't know. I think I think I'm just soured on all the Home Alones because of my tap dance partner. She just really. She was like, I was rolling in the aisles laughing, and I kept being like, Okay, yeah, that shit's over the top. You know, like in the theater. No, no, I hate that shit. Rolling on the floor in the theater. That's what you were doing. (laughs) Other things I hate, aside from theater or however you try and say it, is height. Like it's length with depth height. Oh. But people here say height. All the time, and it's kind of like nails in a chalkboard to me. I'm kind of particular. Yeah, I try. I haven't heard I, that one. I don't think I've. I'm surprised I heard haven't. that. Now so, that yeah. I've mentioned it, you can never unhear it. I'm definitely going to listen to that in class. Like all my students now, I'm going to pay attention to that because obviously you talk about dimension all the fucking right, time. Right. Working in, you know, InDesign primarily, but you know, Illustrator and Photoshop too. Right. One would think. So you sort of glossed over the fact that you had a tap dancing partner at some point. <laughs> yeah. i mean it was relevant in the in yeah, the, yeah. Uh, i did i i took tap for um probably seven years i want to say nice. but yeah nice not like river dance or anything yeah, yeah. just like i it was okay so first of all it was jersey right so picture jersey tap dance studio in your head second of all it's pic- on the boardwalk yeah no 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 i mean this was I did still the Garden State. This is northern New Jersey, like we had trees. But my old tap dance teacher, like, rolled her own cigarettes and smoked in the dance studio. Damn. And had all these pictures up of Yul Brenner because she had been in some production with Yul Brenner at some point. Got to put that shit up. Right? Yeah. Like, I mean, and it's, like, in, like, a, a strip mall next to, like, a dry cleaners and, that like, is... a convenience store that has, like, pick four lotto oh, signs shit. outside. That is sort of what I was imagining. Right. I, yeah. I mean, it's, you got to see the whole picture. Do you remember the name of the place? <sighs> Probably. I wonder if it still exists. No, it, it doesn't. Okay. Yeah, my mom still lives, like, pretty close to where it was. It was, like, the next town over. Um, I want to say it was, like, fine art. No, see, I'm, I'm, I don't know. I'll have to think about it. Yeah. It wasn't as snazzy as like some of the other ones that were doing like hip hop classes because clearly this was like an older lady that smoked in it. Like she wasn't putting on crisscross or anything like the other, <laughs> like the other, like dance expressions. So the other cool dance studios in town. Right. Yeah. But. Well, I was, I, you started saying that and there's this other podcast that I, I listen to a lot and this stand-up comedian Sean Jordan always talks about how he took Taekwondo when he was a kid mm-hmm. and he's like a black belt in it, but he was obviously a kid when he took it. It's been a long time. He's a 37, 38 year old man at this point and probably doesn't, 
The only thing he does now is every now and then bust out nunchucks and like uses them because <laughs> why not? Right. Yeah. But uh, I mean, the, I think those are, it's good to have those talents that people yeah. don't expect from you. Yeah. And then if you can do it and do it well. There was one time Doozles and I were at a party and apparently Doozles has also taken tap. And we tried to, I mean, it was, tapped a, it, out. It, was a, it was a house party and we tried to convince others that there was something called a quote, good old fashioned Jersey tap off. And that's amazing. And we had like a tap battle to like the two people that were engaged in it of like probably the 75 party goers. The rest of them were like these fuckers again. But, you know, we still talk kind of like it's a real thing. Like, oh, yeah, good old fashioned Jersey tap off. What were you tapping in like at that party? I think one of us switched shoes with, I think she switched shoes with someone else because they had a little bit more of a heel. Nice. She was trying to get an edge on me. I mean, we're kind of that competitive with one another. So yeah, it, that's awesome. it makes yeah. sense. Earlier, I, I was asking about, you know, bringing people to the bar for the first time right. or whatever. When you bring up the fact that you play skee-ball competitively, mm-hmm. the, what is the general reaction to that? Or what, is, what, are, they, what are their first questions? I mean, there's definitely a lot of questions. I think the first thing people think of is, that's awesome. Or like the first, that's amazing. Like, is this a thing? I didn't know this was a thing. The smarter ass people will say like, what is it on ESPN 8, the Ocho? Again. And I was like, yeah, I know. I thought the same thing too. Thank you for that. People are, are stunned it exists. And I think it's so funny today still, especially with things like axe throwing leagues and, and other kind of fringe sports, if I may that it gets that kind of reaction. And then, of course, there's the people who are like, which one's skee-ball again? Is that, you know, like it's the wooden balls and you got to throw them to the cut. And they're like, oh, yeah, now I know skee-ball. But I would say people are still surprised that it exists and get excited about it. I feel like I always get a question that's like, well, was there like strategy to that? Or like, <laughs> what do you do? Like, do you get something similar to that? Yeah. Um, not so much people people i think the one thing people ask me is like do you bring your own balls and i'm like no that's dumb that doesn't make any sense the balls come out of like the you'd have to open up the lane every time like think it through come on but you know yeah there's fucking nine balls too like what am i carrying a separate fucking bag of just balls right or it's like yeah i took out the croquet sticks and i just have the balls in there but i think that that's that's probably the number one question i get is do you bring your own balls and i'm like it's not like bowling they're already in the lane you can't, like, unmarry the salt and the pepper. I've actually heard that one, too. That's definitely not number one for me, but I've heard that before. And I'm like, okay, maybe from the outside, you just have no idea. Right, you know? right. I guess when it starts to become a sport, people start to kind of jump to conclusions, like unrealistic expectations right. of, like, oh, do you have, like, special shoes? You know, do you have skee-ball shoes? You know, shit like that. I but do have, I, I have skee-ball shoes. I was going to say, you, you mentioned that. You couldn't wear your, what, Vans over here? I couldn't here? wear my Vans. Yeah, they're In case you flat. had to roll. Um, but yeah, I usually like, uh, I wear my uh, Saucony, Saucony, however, mm-hmm. however you say. Um, I don't know which one it is either. I don't even know what that means. It's a, <laughs> yeah, just shoe brand. Yeah, it's, it's the, it's the these. And, and these, okay. are, these are hard to tell because they're denim. I have on a lot of denim. That's, yeah, that's, but that's, that's pretty crazy. That's cool looking. But yeah, um. It has more of a wedge in the heel, which I feel helps with fatigue. Um, having a flat shoe, I, by the end of the night, I feel like I have to compensate by leaning more forward right. on the lean to... To, like, get the weight off your heels? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's arm fatigue, right? Like, it, it's a thing. It happens. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
So I think that touches on a lot of questions that I have. <laughs> I mean, I think that like we all get, but like one, you obviously you do have your shoes that you're rolling in, but are there other like rituals that you have before you roll or is there like a preferred drink that you have to have if you're rolling or would like to have if you're rolling? Right. Um, I think I <laughs> What are you doing over there? How was it? Are you pantomiming my role? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I can think of what I know you do. Yeah. Well, so I I prefer to either roll in short sleeves or um, no sleeves because I feel like, and not to steal any of Gabe's thunder, mm-hmm. but I feel like sometimes if the sleeve is like slipping down your arm mid-roll, it's distracting. So I feel like... That's part of it is like what sleeve I wear or I'll consciously remember to either wear a sleeveless shirt underneath or make like a sure. tank or something. Right, right. Just to make sure that I, I have that option for myself. I know when I get up to the lane, again, being being a lady roller, uh, we have hips and I usually have to try and get my hip out of the way. And that's been one of the biggest struggles with these newer lanes versus the older lanes because the foothole used to be larger on the old lanes and I would put my left leg all the way over until I felt the opening for the key for the coin in the middle of my shin. So like that was kind of how I aligned myself and got my hip out of the way. And then, yeah, I think I, I just kind of, that's like my routine when I'm up at the lane. Usually my watch slides up my arm again, things that bother me. I try and slide my watch down when I get up there, I get my hair out of the way I sometimes thud the ball on the lane to like get used to the sensation of the ball in my hand and also to intimidate my neighbor roller <laughs> if if relevant. Um, shit, now I'm giving away all the secrets. You do that this very often. I, I the, do the thud and it's always a couple of knocks. It's not like, well, I guess in the middle of the frame, sometimes it's a single knock, but like at the start of the frame, you'll knock a couple times. You'll do the kind of like wind up, mm-hmm. like the, a couple of practice swings, but you're aggressive with it. That's the one thing. <laughs> that's the one I've, the one thing I've seen you do differently yeah. is that you really swing it. Yeah. Like when you're kind of like warming up and then even like very snappy, very snappy, aggressive roll. Thank you. I think. I mean, <laughs> if you're going to be alpha dick, don't you need to have like sure. a snappy, aggressive roll? Like yeah. if I went up there and granny rolled it, you'd be like this clown <laughs> who they think they are, you know? But I think part of it, too, is I I used to play softball. I used to pitch softball. And I think, again, when I first started rolling, having that step, eliminating the extra motion to be able to, the the more variables you can take away as to why you've missed, the better. And I think that's where the step was just dumb. But I didn't know I was new, you know. But I think it's compensatory that I swing so far back with my arm. And the only time I think... If I reset, I will probably re-fondle the ball in my hand. Just, it's it's a, you know, sometimes you roll and like right at the release point, your hand just kind of is like, ugh, and like spazzes out and kind of throws wildly one way or the other. And you're like, what happened there? My hand just had a mind of its own. So to try and avoid those moments, I kind of get used to the sensation of the ball in my hand and then just follow through. Idle Hands, there's another film. (laughs) (laughs) A hand with the mind of its own. That's right. I think you sort of already touched on this, but out of those things or anything you haven't mentioned, like, do you have any tips for someone else who is just starting out? I think the asshole in me first always says practice because I don't want anybody to think like, 
Do shit's easy. Right. Yeah. I mean, just and and that was the thing. I started rolling, and I mean, I'm sure the stats are out there to go back and look. But I mean, 28 was great for me, you know. And yeah. and now if I rolled a 28, I would be shunned by my teammates politely in a way that said like you'll get them next time but their eyes may say like you fucked up (laughs) (laughs) go outside and think about what you've done that's great because now we have to make up for it no i'm just kidding my team is phenomenal i love my team but back to your question again with the tangents the obvious one is don't move your feet again if you're if you're cutting out extra motion um i think that's the the easiest one i know some people like to look at the net some people look at the the nuts on the cup, like the two little um, discs, I think, that hold together the um, whatever that material is, plastic, like yeah. cove base that mm-hmm. makes up a cup. I don't know yeah. what, you'd, what you'd call it. In. Yeah, just like the fasteners. Right. Some people look at those. I, I, for a long time, thought I set up, I thought I rolled from the middle. And then, again, just because I have to get so far over to get my hip out of the way. Um, I realized how far left I start. Mm-hmm. So in acknowledging that, like when I talk to other rollers, I'm like, I start really far here. Like, where do you start? And if they're like, I don't know. And I'm like, probably a good thing to figure out. And I usually connect like a scuff on the rubber with the cup. And so I like connect like the same way you do with bowling and the little arrow carrots. Like you just roll through those and I kind of try and do the same thing. It's always easier to shoot for a target that's immediately in front of you then i mean i'm sure guys that putt and golf do the same thing mm-hmm. or maybe they don't i don't know but i'm gonna assume because why not yeah i would assume the same i mean i don't know much about golf but you know there seems to be logic behind that right shoot for the closer target and then just follow through um i think the the biggest tip aside from that would just be to either first be open to feedback if you want to improve, you know, n- nobody starts out great or they start out great and then they overthink it and then they shit the bed. Right. I think that's that's it. But be open to feedback. And then if you don't know what you're doing wrong, ask somebody or be like, hey, watch me roll or and often that's what my team. and I, Oh, I didn't follow through on that last one or you short armed it or, you know, things like that. I think that's just a good life lesson in general. Like be open to feedback. Everyone has things they can improve upon. So how. get someone that you trust that isn't going to be like, well, you just suck as a roller. That's going to give you constructive feedback and then take it. Yeah, that's a great tip. Yeah, if you don't know what you're doing wrong, ask somebody. Because I'm sure, you know, you can sit there and struggle through it or it's probably glaringly obvious to someone else that isn't inside their own head when they're up on the lane, so. Your first answer, practice, like that's a a pretty solid tip. These are, you know. (laughs) Definitely going to have to do that. Right, right. The tragic thing is that people discover the league, they discover competitive skee ball, and they just stop. Bef- they stop way too early. Right. Like they they have a little bit of beginner's luck, and then they start to kind of shit the bed, and then they think they suck, and then they see other really experienced rollers like blowing them out of the water, and then they're like, ah, "I suck at this. Like I can't do this. Like I'll never be that good." Right. When the reality is that none of us are that fucking good when we start. Like it takes right. thousands and thousands and thousands of balls rolled. Right. To like even get to the point where you are replicating the same motions every single ball. Absolutely. And I think that that's I think that's a very fair statement. And I think also to allow yourself patience to not get frustrated with yourself. Mm -hmm. 
I mean, I think that that's, I remember for a long time, I was like, oh man, Rachel can always hit hundos so easily and I can't hit hundos that way. And again, it was just a practice thing and, and she's still a better hundo roller than I am. But again, sabermetrics, I want to see the stats and see how good I am in the clutch hundo. In my mind, I feel like I'm pretty okay at it. The stats may say otherwise, but I'm going to stick with my non-scientific analysis of the situation until I have some hard numbers and then I can go cry about it later. From what I've seen, I would say you're a pretty clutch hundo roller whenever you need it. I'm making skeptical fa- I mean I appreciate the compliment but I, you know, again, I want the I want the the risp, the runners in scoring position to see what that what that means. Yeah. I feel like I've seen some but not enough to kind of be like, yeah, she's definitely she has the clutch hundo when she needs it, but I've seen you hit them before. Yeah. So it's scary enough. It's like something that we then have to plan for. Right. And at least yes. consider. Mwahaha. Yeah, it's like having that hurt basketball player on the court that we you don't know how hurt he is, but <laughs> just because he's on the court, you have to plan your game plan around that person. Right. So yeah, a little bit of that. So seen well, ha- enough happy hundos. to intimidate. I mean, isn't that like <laughs> seen enough hundos to be like, ah, okay, yeah, I I can understand what the possibilities may be. And again, it's it's just practice. And I think, you know, again, if you're if you're self-aware enough, um, you know, when it when you let go of the ball, where it's going to go, you know, if you've missed it before it even gets to the cup, like you don't have to sit there with anticipation to be like, is it going to go in? Is it not? No, yeah. you, you know, you've blown it. And it's funny because I was saying this to Rachel last night. There is no greater feeling in the world than a swish hundo. <laughs> yeah. Like you didn't bounce it off the net. You didn't it, like you just hit that shit cleanly. And that's when you're like, OK, I feel like precise in my motion, in my role. And you know it's going in as soon as it leaves your fingertips. You oh, know, you're so like, this that is, motherfucker's in. Yes. And yeah. then you turn around and you yell at your opponent. Or you walk away before it even goes in <laughs> and just like super badass. Yeah. Thinking about that, do you have a, a sort of favorite moment or a most memorable moment <sighs> from your ski ball career at this point? Man, that wasn't on the list of questions that was sent to me before this interview, so I didn't have time to think about it. I mean, I would say probably the the last um, nationals. So yeah, yeah, my team was fortunate enough by the grace of the coaches to be able to roll together as a team for um, nationals again. So too many dicks on the dance floor representing the women. We changed our name just to snatch attack sung to the tune of baby shark. Whenever your doozles on here, I'm sure she'll sing it for you. Oh man. Um, But uh, you know, we didn't win. I think overall we, we came in third. We made I think you're the, right. Yeah. We came yeah, in yeah. third, I think, point-wise, because uh, it was three Austin teams in the final four and then one from San Francisco. Mm-hmm. I think there was a ton to be proud of in that, especially since we're always in that. I can't even tell you how many times you've made it to championship final match. Right. And then one of us just has a bad night and the other two can't compensate enough. Or I, we're there, and we're, you're just playing I've, us. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I think that that's, that was a great moment for us as a team. Was it the entire experience, or was it one particular moment, like one particular match? I, I think the entire way that championship went was really well, or yeah, really good. Yeah, it was good. super rad. Um, I mean, there's a ton of fun times, but I think in terms of uh, the sport, um, that was probably my, my fondest moment. I mean, until, you know, hopefully this season will finally win 
I wish we had guys in the booth right now to be like, yes, you've you've gone to championships <laughs> 20 times <Yeah. laughs> and missed all 20. I, I think it, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised. It has to be at least 10 that we've made it to the final two and and not yeah. won the mug. And it's, it's pa- so painful, again, because Doozles has never won one. So, of course... We want it for her, but we also want it for us. Right. right. And everyone wants it for y'all. <laughs> yeah. Seriously. Like everybody, especially Doozles, because everyone knows that now. Yeah. Yeah. And like everybody really wants to see that. So every time you guys have gotten past us, you know, it's just like, okay, like they're definitely on the list to root for. Right. You know, and to like, okay, like we're out of it. Like fine with that. Like, I mean, we have some tough losses and more losses than wins ourselves. It's just like. Oh, so close. So close so many times. Yeah, we're definitely rooting for you every single time. Well, thank you. Except when we're playing against you. Yeah. I mean, we have to. I mean, fuck, sometimes even then. (laughs) It's like back and forth. It's like a roller coaster. Yeah. It depends how much LeBron pisses you off that time. Yeah. 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 It depends on, yeah, whether or not he needs to go to bed in the next 15 minutes or not. Right. Um, Because, you know, even. Geriatrics, right? Even the six o'clock game is past his bedtime. I know. He's got to go and pop open whatever whatever night it is. If it's Sunday, he's got to pop open a Sunday. Prune juice. Take all his vitamins that are in the little Sunday. Yeah, the pouch. Monday juice. <laughs> yeah, that's what he's got. Yeah. He to, how else are you going to keep track when you're that old? You know. Seriously. You said. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you said you had a. Um, that was sort of your favorite, like, ski ball as being a a sport moment. Do you have anything outside of that that? Anything really funny or that stands out to you? Other favorite moments? Oh, man. I think there's like a million. I would, ha- I would off yeah. the top of my head, I would say every photo night. And, and oh, nice. what I'm going for is when people can't even look at me. I'm so revolting. <laughs> nice. Like I know when like I come out of the, like when we come out of the bathroom and people are like covering up my, my face with their hand at a distance to be like, oh, I can't even look at you. And I'm like, nailed it. Nice. I mean, we've been so many terrible things. Like, we, I mean, dude, dude things. Um, I think the, I mean, the nude suit, I think that might be my greatest contribution to the world is the nude suit. So the entire suit is flesh colored. Oh, right. Yeah. And I, and it's hilarious to me. Like, I remember that when we were playing at a beauty ballroom, we went to the taco place next door, and that was when Marcy was, Marcy was still playing with us. And she's standing over the salsa bar getting herself some salsa. She's got on a trench. In that? Yeah, so she's got a trench coat on over the dude suit. And as she's leaning over, and, like, all the guys, like, turn their head, like, thinking that she doesn't have any pants on. Damn. But it's just the nude suit that's faking you out. Psych. Yeah. There was, I mean, I wore a cup a lot, too, and a lot oh, of those really? early years <laughs> just to kind of... Make myself just bulk up, yeah, yeah, make just alpha dick up, <laughs> <laughs> and that was even before I was alpha dick. Right. I think the stars really aligned with that name choice. Jeez, <laughs> Joey's looking at his phone like I mean, Willie's looking at his phone like we got to get to the next question. This this cup conversation no, is good. making me very uncomfortable. Uh, I'm pretty sure what you said is better than the next question. So, yeah, oh, what's the okay. next question? So you've been doing this for like close to ten years now, right? Yeah. Since we're, what, about to be season 32? Right, yeah. Man. What keeps you doing this at this point? So the thing I love about Skee-Ball and I I love about the league is that I had no idea what you guys did for a living, I think, for like the first couple of years we knew each other, and I'm sure vice versa. And I think that it's just more about getting to know the person for who they are and not about kind of the circumstantial stuff like, 
you like playing this sport, you like being competitive, what do you like to do? It's not kind of that, especially growing up on the East Coast, it's very much like, what do you do? Where do you live? What do you drive? Like that kind of stuff. And so that's, it's a genuine desire to get some, get to know someone better over something that you have a common interest in. And I think that that's like super sincere. Um, And it's great when you see new rollers come in and they're like, oh, I've just been in Austin for seven months and I found this place and it's great and everybody's so friendly and it's the people hands down. And as much as we talk shit to one another, uh, if I had a flat tire, I'm sure a, a handful of people would come out to help. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but you know what I mean. I, it's yeah. it's yeah, the people totally. for sure, and it's as much. I mean, I think like community is one thing, but I kind of also feel like it's a family. And I don't mean to sound cheesy when I say that, but it it sincerely is. Like you're kind of with all these other people, and you look out for one another. I guess maybe community is fine. Whatever. I'll let you guys pick which one you decide it is, whether it's a community or family. But I think that there is like a sincere connection beyond superficial things when you're getting involved with this. And I think the other thing, too, is seldom in life do you get to choose your team. You know, like that never happens. Your your coworkers, at least one of them, you're like, oh, I'm stuck with so-and-so. Like they looked great on the resume, but not so much in real life. Or... um you never, as an adult, and you know, if you play a, another rec league and a draft or whatever, you don't get to choose who's on your team with you. And I think that that's the thing I feel most fortunate about is is my team, because we are similar and we are very different in many ways. But both of them, I consider really good friends, and I wouldn't have known them if it wasn't for the league. So that I think is kind of cool that this is a way that you've met someone like I was in Rachel's wedding Rachel was in my wedding I mean it just is a, a sincere connection based on something that wasn't forced like you know she wasn't working with me and I was her boss and she had to be nice to me kind of thing so this is around the time we took a break in the original conversation to get a drink refill and it's also a good stopping point for this episode so we can keep both parts around an hour long while you're waiting for part two you should go follow Ella on Instagram. Her handle is at handybitches. And if you're interested in owning an original piece of her artwork, you can visit her online store at shop.handybitches.com. As always, keep an eye on our Instagram account, at 40 Podcast for updates. You can listen and subscribe wherever you find your favorite podcast. And join us next time for part two of Tap Battling and Shivs with Ella Nilsson Lassiter. Thanks so much for listening.